Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we're streaming at WCEV1450.com. If this is your first time tuning in, your first time joining the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. This way you make sure that you never miss another episode. So we are everywhere that you get your podcasts at. We're on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud. Look for us at that same username at Radio Islam USA. Ah, lost my music a little, a little soon, but <laughs> all right, Radio Sound family. Um, today we have in studio joining us Letitia Zwickert, and she is a high school teacher. Uh, but more importantly, uh, for the purposes of our conversation, she is also the founder of an, of an organization called Mentees, and we're going to talk about learn about mentees. How are you doing, Letitia? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So um, I have to first make this first observation, and we sort of jumped into this a little bit off off uh, off air, uh, and that is, as a high school teacher, I know how demanding uh, a profession, how demanding a calling that is, um, and I'm like, wow, you also <laughs> have founded <laughs> an organization on top of that, still serving youth. So tell us a bit about um, first off, give, give us the, what's the goal of Mentees? Um, so Mentee is an organization Mentee, that, oh no, don't worry yeah. about it all. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mentee is an organization that is meant to provide support for immigrant, refugee, and low-income youth, um, to offer them mentorship, uh, through um, wonderful people who are volunteering through mentee mm -hmm. um, and those people sharing their own work experience with their mentees. So job shadow experiences um, that allow for a variety of options for the student that they don't naturally have. Uh, building a network, experiencing cross-sector um, job opportunities and different layers and types of jobs. Okay. And how long, have, how long has the program been up and running? The program itself is in its pilot year. Oh, great. So I just began this last January. I came up with the idea of Mentee, which had been brewing me for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, I had my first board meeting in April. I have some wonderful people who have come forward to support Mentee. Mm -hmm. And this is the first year of a four-year program that I envision for Mentee. Mm -hmm. So the pilot year itself is running on three job shadows experiences for the students and the second year they would have three more cross-sector experiences moving them towards an ultimate capstone piece where they have a week-long internship in a sector that they've chosen for themselves that is awesome mm -hmm. that's awesome so can you talk a bit about the the importance of being able to job shadow Absolutely. Um, so, you know, looking at the population that I'm serving, a lot of the students come from a situation where they are not having the access that others do. And the biggest reason why I created Mentee was to give that access um, to students who um, have so much potential um, and just need the experience, um, just need some extra guidance. And so those job shadows offer both of those things. Mm -hmm. The experience to be somewhere else, 
to try something on for size, to see how it feels to be in a bank or a graphic arts studio or a medical facility, and realizing you could be a doctor, an artist, or a you know, top executive, right. um, and seeing how others did it, hearing their story. Mm-hmm. Hearing someone else's story is so powerful. Definitely. You, you, you hear from them challenges they went through. Uh, you learn about experiences and how they overcame the problems. Um, the guidance offered by an individual, that individual can share those personal stories and it resonates with you, especially knowing that you are facing challenges too. Um, so the mentorship part of this um, is allowing the student to go through the experiences and learn from them. Not just have the experience, but reflect on them. Right, right. Now, uh, I, I see uh, what you've done, I think, is really, uh, it, it's a powerful observation. Uh, and then a response to a reality that says that if you're low income, generally your surroundings, the people that you associate with, are going to also mirror that same reality. And now, now you you kind of you're forming a bridge that goes beyond taking people outside of their the circles that they're familiar with. Uh, was was that something? Was that one of the the first things that you recognized uh, that would make this program have have relevance and be successful for the uh, the youth you, that you're looking to serve? Yeah, there there's so many parts to what you just said that are important. Mm-hmm. The idea, first of all, of the, the notion that Chicago is not just my neighborhood. Right. Um, so in Mentee, we have cross-neighborhood uh, cross cohorts, which allow the student to speak and interact with students from other schools um, to allow them to feel that there is more to Chicago than that what's just around them. And the other part of that, I mean, it's not just that peer component, it is that that exposure to other things that exist that can be theirs, right? That can they can then touch. Mm-hmm. Because if your parents, for example, never went to college mm-hmm. um, and you would be a first generation, how do you get there? Right. You lack information. How, how do you make them? What are the next steps? What does that even look like if there is no model? So if you have a mentor who can, who can not only bring you to the professional place of work that they are at, but share their story, talk about those steps, give feedback to what they should even be thinking about if they're post-secondary. Right. Now, sometimes college isn't an option, but staying in school is essential. And a lot of immigrant and refugees and and also our low-income students drop out. And so having something that motivates you. This is awesome. All right, so you got this cross, uh, cross-cultural component mm-hmm. uh, from one student work uh, that's, you're, you're moving from one school to the next, right? Form, forming relationships or is it So there's, yeah, so there's this cross-neighborhood cohort that okay, each of, you know, and, and we have multiple uh, cross-neighborhood cohort, cohorts. I'm working with three different schools um, in different areas of Chicago. And then that will allow for students to really experience uh, a space where they can share with, with, with kids from different schools. And a different school in your own neighborhood can seem like, like one from a different country. Um, but these neighborhoods, the segregation um, in, in our community, um, in Chicago is is really important to bridge. You know, and that's one of the realities. You know, I mean, Chicago is known as, and it's almost a euphemism to say, a city of uh, a city of neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of code for a, a segregated city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have opportunities to bridge that di- that the divide, 
Uh, I think that's that's crucial. What are some of the uh, what are some of the observations from the young people, from from the students themselves, uh, when they come in? Do they do they come in with a sense of maybe hesitancy? Uh, are they are they nervous, <laughs> or do they feel like you know this is this is going to be something? You know, they're 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 excited about it. So mentee, this is its first year, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Pilot year. <laughs> and so we're going to have our kickoff workshop okay. on the 25th. Um, and this is for our mentors and our mentees to come together and meet each other and be trained. Okay, so I just jumped way ahead. That's okay. okay. Five years from now, I'll tell you how that goes. <laughs> but yeah. I will tell you, though, you know, it's really important to for this. There's layers of this that are significant. Not only do you as a young person, um, any young person, deal with identity issues, but if you are a newcomer to this, this society, any society, you are struggling with how do I fit in? Um, You look at your own culture and your language sometimes as a barrier Mm -hmm. um, because you want to fit in. Um, And you need support, you need people to say, no, celebrate your culture. Celebrate your language, right. you know, retain your language and, and come learn as well ours because that will provide opportunity. Right. Um, but don't lose who you are. And that's something that's very important for me to reinforce and mentee is to celebrate what the kids come with here. And so building that confidence in who they are and realizing that has a real place in, in our society, as it does in every society. Mm-hmm. Um, mentee is something that is, and, and is in, it, at the very foundation, is looking at the student because the student is the heart of mentee. And this student could be a student in any urban setting where a, a child comes in and perhaps feels like society's not responding to them. And that's where I want them to have literally a person come bring them with them and say, hey, no, I see you, here you are, look at all of this possibility for you. And multiple options of, of what makes, what fits for you. You know, you might want to be a poet, you might want to be on the radio, you might want to be a writer, you might want, there's, maybe, there's so many dreams. And they may be unrealized, they may be unthought of until they get to a place where somebody can show them what resonates with them. That reflection after the experience that the mentor will help them with Mm -hmm. is essential too. So not only having experience, thinking it through, and then having the supports that are specific for this population. And you mentioned that it's not not necessarily about uh, um, the students having the goal of going to college necessarily. Not necessarily, right. because some some students are not going to have that option. Mm-hmm. Some students just have to be able to support their family, that right. the needs are in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, again, there are many alternatives oh, that absolutely. are post-secondary that could, could be walked through, mm-hmm. um, could be talked through. And so not only in terms of just sharing that, that the mentor understands that reality, but also sharing with the student through mentee that there are many supports that we can offer. And to go back to the student, that newcomer coming into a society, you know, there, there are social emotional needs that are very particular. Um, Sometimes there are legal needs. Um, mental health issues are challenging in our society because of our medical system. Right. Um, and, and also sometimes because of the culture the student comes from. Maybe mental health is a taboo. Um, and another part of what I think is important as mentee grows is to bring in the community, to have conversations um, and opening a dialogue 
that is so essential to support the student, to make their life as, as strong as it possibly can be, them as confident as they can possibly be. And so that's offering multiple supports. Uh, wow, wow. Um, <laughs> so recognizing all of the, the, the layers that come along with, uh, that come, come along, comes along with servicing, with working with young people, uh, goes far beyond simply just the act of exposing them to a uh, profession. But you're mentioning uh, mental health and health and legal uh, issues. So would mentee be like the gateway towards those other services, or would mentee also provide those wraparound services uh, directly itself? So it's, it's such a good question that you're asking, because mentee is not the answer. There's no one answer. Yeah. Mentee, um, as I am building Mentee, yeah. is one teeny little organization that is reaching out to many other larger, bigger, smaller, medium-sized, everyone I can organizations that right. also care, that are supporting students, that offer different services, individuals even who have come forward to offer just their the, the ability to, to share what they know. Um, so from everything from organizations that have been doing this for a, a long time um, to individuals who are willing to support Mentee and its work, that is an important piece of a larger society of, of organizations that care. Also, Mentee is just a piece of the pipeline. These students need to be supported before high school and after high school. And so I'm working on building relationships with other nonprofits and other institutions that help also the student, the full student, not just you know, Kate, you know, the, the nine through 12 piece, right. um, but all as they go, as they develop. Um, and, and again, looking for people who have been doing this for a long time, um, because they have, they have so much already, so many resources available, of course, which is important, but they also have the experience to know what hasn't worked and working together, we can build a better mm -hmm. version forward. Um, and that's what that's what I care about most of all for me mm -hmm. it's it's w whatever I do for the students is the best possible way to do it well I can I can feel your your intent and sincerity yeah. just um, I mean it just it just just emanates uh, out of you uh, if you are just tuning in our guest in studio is Letitia's Wickard and she is the foundee of Mentee and I want to just read to you really quickly uh, description of Mentee is, and we'll continue our conversation. It says Mentee is a Chicago nonprofit that supports immigrant, refugee, and low-income youth with mentorship and cross-sector job shadows. Mentee keeps kids in school, provides the social and emotional support our students need, helps them build a network they wouldn't naturally have, and gives our young mentees the confidence and experience to direct their own futures. Uh, powerful, powerful statement uh, and, and vision. Um, Thank you. Powerful. Uh, so you have, you're following a kind of a, a cohort uh, model. Uh, what's too big? And I know, I know mm. you, you emphasized, <clears throat> and I, I appreciate you uh, making uh, the statement that you know you're one organization, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this work is so big, uh, and it, it, there's so much that needs to be done. It's going to require so many hands on deck. But you are, you know, you're doing your part. <laughs> Right. So, I, I mean, thank you. I, I, 
I think that looking at um, the larger picture, there are a few things that are important to to state. There's the, my ability goes as far as what I can achieve. Right. Um, so you had mentioned I'm a full time teacher. I'm right. a mom of three, and I'm doing this solo. So um, the only person who is answering the phone you can't or see scheduling, me my head, folks, I'm just like, <laughs> like, come on now, you know, stop it. <laughs> and yeah. and it, so the thing that breaks, of course, is the is is the sleep. The sleep, you know, I'm getting not getting enough sleep for sure. Right. Um, but to to be able to do something that is so important is what is motivating me. And when I look at the different kind of components of bringing people together and what that can be, that's how mentee then is stronger because of the individuals who come and help support mentee in kind, um, who are volunteering, who are partnering um, and donating their time. Those, those, those individuals is, are who brings mentee to life. Mm. Um, and so I'm very, very grateful for all of the, the, the support that I've gotten from the schools um, to wonderful people who, again, are helping realize these workshops, um, to my, my mentors who are coming on and volunteering their time and giving it to these students. So there are so many people around me sure. who, who support me in many ways. They're invested. They're invested because you're invested. Uh, right. It's, so that, that makes absolute, um, absolute sense to me. How big are you looking? I know this is the pilot year, mm-hmm. um, but working, uh, looking to bring in multiple youth. Is there an ideal um, size that you want to start with or are you just going to just kind of let it naturally happen as it happens? Yeah. Well, so the cohort model is a, is a very important one and helps uh, keep this group together mm-hmm. in a way that, um, you know, again, offers that cross neighborhood experience. And the <clears throat> one-on-one, so there's one-on-one mentoring occurring, um, but that that size, the capacity that exists right now um, is 35 students and 35 mentors. Wow. That's, that's where, that's my limit of what I can take on, which is actually quite a bit. That is. Um, where do I see it going? I see mentee being a support anywhere we can be useful. And for me, that means within Chicago, um, but it also means elsewhere. And for me, I again, I feel like, and we had we we're having a conversation earlier, um, you know, before 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 speaking, where you look at this issue of the cross-border reality. Mm-hmm. So it's in Chicago, but it's elsewhere as well. And so for me, as, as much as I can share this model mm-hmm. and others might want to take it on or I help support that, um, it, it is something that so many young people need. My experiences with own, my own research as a Fulbright Schumann scholar mm-hmm. um, reinforced this need in many communities in, in uh, overseas. And elsewhere, and so of course within Chicago, these same the same challenges exist. And if I could support every CPS student, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. And and I hope we can we can start there. And at the same time, I also am supporting SDG goal number four and eleven, which is related with the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals of working towards equitable education for all. Um, so that there's there's global peace for me through my local action. Mm. 
Yeah, because it definitely emanates outward. The, 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 the ripple effect, nothing stays localized once you yeah. put something out. Uh, it, can't, it can't help but to travel. Absolutely. And I think, too, the more that, that the kids realize as well, that their experience is not unique. So they're realizing it's not unique by meeting kids from other neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And they're realizing it's not unique by meeting the mentors and hearing their stories. And some of the wonderful people who are gonna speak to them. And they're gonna realize it's not unique the more I can build in a global component too. I think that that, that piece right there, um, because even though the world has gotten, uh, it's gotten smaller mm -hmm. in terms of our ability to keep up with with the news around the world, you know, with mass communication and the, the internet as it is and social media. Um, but our access to that, the willingness to actually look uh, look across the globe and, and see how their conditions mirror your own, mm -hmm. uh, that's not something that uh, generally our young people are going to have the, the presence of mind to do on their own. It's only as you as you become older, if you have the benefit to be able to travel or study, that you start to see these these, these patterns of, of similarity uh, that exist in, in other places. So I think that's that's a wonderful uh, component. Well, and if I could, I'd open the world up to them, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is, so this is, you know, this, so as much as you can, um, I think in any capacity, whether it's through mentee or just in your own personal life, mm -hmm. and you allow someone to have a new experience that changes them, that brings them confidence, that allows them to see the world in a different, more positive way, Right. is a beautiful thing. So whether you know, you're listening and you want to do that with mentee or you are able to do that in another way, that's what's important. Mm. And that's what I hope to achieve um, and in, in, in a scale that will, will come. Whatever, whatever is meant to be won't be, you know, but I will try Absolutely. very hard to, to make sure that um, I can touch as many students as I can with mentee. So how can, how can folks uh, join in that want to volunteer to, to be mentors, uh, have folks job shadow them and, mm -hmm. and support the work. Uh, how, how do they do that? So my website is menteechicago.org. Mm -hmm. And if you look there, you'll see an option to you know come join the team. Um, if you click on that option, there is a role description and onboarding form. And you fill out the survey, um, the application, and you will get a response from me. Okay. Uh, are you, do you have any uh, social media or anything like that? Yeah. I am on Instagram, um, and it is Menti Chicago, and I would love for you to follow me. That would be brilliant. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Well, we are. Uh, we definitely want to keep up with you because uh, I feel really fortunate uh, to be able to talk to you in the the pilot year in the beginning because uh, I see I see great things, uh, God willing, uh, coming from because this is this is one of those efforts that's needed and hopefully it's going to be a benefit um to, to those uh to those young people and I, I mean i have no no doubt that it is but you know thank you so much so Rick. appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk with us oh thank you so much for having me yes all right radio sound family uh we are going to take a short break but we will be back in a minute we are radio islam wcev 1450 a.m Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, 
I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat, I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. We're streaming at WCEV1450.com. And you can keep up with us. Stay connected. RadioIslam.com. And also, keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, Google Play, Tune in. So basically, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us. Look for us at Radio Islam USA. Family today uh, was, was, was a really interesting day. Uh, and a part of what made that day interesting was Kanye's visit to the White House. And before I go any further, let me give my brother a moment to go ahead and give you the salams, the impressive one, Ibrahim Bey. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Good you, to be with you. Did you turn the, the, the bass up on your voice mm. there? It <laughs> came through. Yeah, there's some serious bass there. Um, yeah, so today was a big day. Uh, and and I'm sure that this is going to be in the news cycle for a while. Um, probably the only thing that could displace him would be Trump himself. Um, but so he went to the White House. Uh, I don't know if, if, he, if he was there for lunch or whatever, but... Uh, obviously, it was uh, something that the media was very interested in covering, and they did cover it, and a bunch of cameras around. and They didn't just cover it. They ate it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They devoured it. They devoured it. And he goes on this this long rant that, while watching it, I, I started getting uncomfortable. Um, I, I watched it like a guy at the Oscars giving an acceptance speech but there was no wrap it up music, right? Like somebody should have played him off. Uh, and if you haven't seen the video, it's worth watching to look, just to look at look at uh, President Trump, look at his face, and in his face is, he's saying, when is he gonna be done? Never, when is he gonna be done? But look, let's listen to a bit of, uh, let's listen to a bit of Kanye's statement today. people around so there's theories that there's infinite amounts of universe and there's alternate universe so it's very important for me to get Hoover out because in an alternate universe I am him and I have to go and get him free because he was doing positive inside of Chicago just like how I'm moving back to Chicago and it's not just about you know getting on stage and being an entertainer and having a monolithic voice that's forced to be a specific party you know, people expect that if you're black, you have to be Democrat. I have a, uh, I've, I've had conversations that basically said that welfare is the reason why a lot of black people end up being Democrat. They say, you know, first of all, it's, it, it's a limit to amount of jobs. 
uh, so the, the fathers lose the jobs and they say, we'll give you more money for having more kids in your home. And then we got rid of the mental health institutes in the 80s and the 90s and the prison rates just shot up. And now you have Chirac, what people call Chirac, which is actually our, our murder rate is going down by 20% every year. I just talked to the superintendent, met with Michael Sachs, that's Ron, Ron's uh, right hand man. So uh, I think it's the bravery that helps you beat this game called life. You know, they tried to scare me to not wear this hat, my own friends, but this hat, it gives me, it gives me power in a way. You know, my dad and my mom separated, so I didn't have a lot of male energy in my home. And also, uh, I'm married to a family that, um, you know, <laughs> not a lot of male energy going on. It's beautiful though, but there's times where, you know, it's something about, you know, I love Hillary, I love everyone, right? But the campaign, I'm with her, just didn't make me feel as a guy that didn't get to see my dad all the time, like a guy that could play catch with his son. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. You made a Superman, that was, that's my favorite superhero. And you made a Superman cake for yeah, me also yeah, as a guy that yeah, looks up to you, yeah. looks up to Rafferin, looks up to so, American. So, um, let's start, let's, let's, let's start with, let's start with mental health. I think that's, that's really important, really important. And I'm not one to insult folks, but um, th there's a lot of stuff that he said there that just is not sound. And it sounds like he's talking from, uh, he's talking from a different, from a different reality. That's actually the main takeaway that I got from it. I mean, what he's saying, there's, there's a few like bits of information like mixed in there that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. But overall, there's very little rhyme and reason to what he's saying. And it's, and it's just a, really a hodgepodge of, you know, mental act, rapid mental activity. Um, and it's not the first time I had noticed that, honestly. The, fir uh, the last time he came out and said something crazy, uh, the same thing came to mind mm -hmm. you know, when he was talking about how uh, he said that slavery was a choice or whatever. Um, <laughs> you can tell. I mean, you can tell he's, he has some mental issues there. Um, and same thing today, once again. Now, I shouldn't be laughing. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. What is dis more disturbing to me than seeing a man, you know, with mental health issues is to knowing knowing the fact that people are really going to take it ser take his words seriously and and Absolutely. really try to um, look deeply into them as if you know this is coming from a a, a stable person. Yeah, and. I'm gonna I want to jump on uh, I'm gonna jump on some of the things that he said, mm -hmm. um, and there is a there's a habit of him saying things without really having without having all the facts. So when the first time I don't know if it was TMZ or whoever got him when he said uh, he wants to abolish the Thirteenth Amendment, and I think that was actually a tweet that he put out first. It was a tweet, and then some folks came to him and asked him, you know, what are you talking about? And he tried to make the statement about, you know, there's a loophole there to keep people enslaved. Uh, so there's there's a couple of things going on. And first thing I'll mention is that it's not being aware of the responsibility of having a platform as big as he does. Uh, and, and, and in that, you can't just say anything. 
you can't just rattle off half cocked um, you know information uh, and, and then try to explain it away later because some people won't come back for the explanation they'll just they'll take you at, at your word take you what you said and and because of that they'll just write you off now he made some very interesting claims about prison rates and how they they went up in the 80s and he tried to connect that to mental health and sure mental health is always uh is is definitely it can be a, a component but the reason that prison rates shot up um uh, when they did uh, it had more to do with the introduction uh it was it was this is the crack cocaine era and how crack uh how crack moved through uh, African-American communities, communities of color, lower-income communities, and just completely destabilized them. Uh, and then he he basically left out, he left out, uh, he left also, drugs out. And also catalyzed the framework of the war on drugs, which is already in place. The, yeah, that yeah. Reagan wanted to, um, that he pushed. And, uh, and then, you know, fast forward a bit. If we're talking about incarceration, we can't not talk about President Bill Clinton and his impact on mass incarceration, you know, with his uh, uh, legislation, the whole three strikes and, and you know, th that whole deal. So what, what it feels like he's trying to do is lay the blame for any suffering or any uh, dysfunction at the at the, the feet of the African-American community and say that they're not really any external um, any, any external causes or forces that are you know that are at play here um minus mental health right it's, it's much more than just mental health that's one of the things all right but 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 that's not everything now i want to give one of the uh responses uh donna brazil uh the former interim democratic national committee uh chair chairwoman after hearing kanye's uh rant and hearing him praise trump and talk about how his hat gives him bravery. That almost sounds like, uh, you know who I think about when I hear something like that? I think about Linus from the Peanuts. Charlie oh, Brown. His blanket? Yes, his blanket. Mm -hmm. Right, so you feel that that's your security blanket. This this MAGA hat. Uh, you can do anything because of this hat. Uh, but anyway. And it looks like a, a bootleg version of the hat, too. I just noticed that. But anyway. Maybe made it himself. I don't know. But, uh, but she said, she tweeted, Kanye West has set us back 155 years. She's, you know, she's talking about the African-American community. And when I read it, I mean, I, you know, when you're used to, <laughs> when you're used to hearing um, just outlandish stuff, right? And I'm sure some of you, if, if you read it, you might have laughed at it as well. But unfortunately, I mean, in, even in laughter, there's, there's some seriousness, right? You're laughing at serious things. Um, yeah, but people are frustrated. They are frustrated with him and his use of his platform. Uh, they are frustrated with some of the, the ideas that he has. And he really just flat out seems to be a contrarian more than anything, right? We got a clip, you may have seen this, from Saturday Night Live when he went on and uh, he came out and gave this whole, this whole rant about him being bullied. Uh, and you know because of because he wanted to wear the hat. Let's take a listen to this, and we'll and we'll pick up after that. China, 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 
see they laughing at me. You heard them, they scream at me. They bullied me. They bullied me backstage. They said, don't go out there with that hat on. They bullied me backstage. They bullied me. And then they say, I'm in a sunken place. You want to see the sunken place? Okay, I'm going to listen to y'all now. Or I'm going to put my Superman cape on. Because this means you can't tell me what to do. Follow your heart and stop following your mind. That's how we're controlled. That's how we're programmed. Let's, let's cut them off right there. Let's cut them off right there. Uh, no, sir, we're not going to... And stop thinking. Uh, this whole, I mean, what, 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 are you, what are you peddling? Follow your heart and what do you say? Follow your heart and stop following your mind? Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, cut that out. Cut that out, man. I mean, really. That's. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's not funny in the sense that we're laughing at him because I really honestly believe he has serious mental health issues. To me, it's more funny, like, the whole situation, when I take a step back and yeah. see how, what he's saying, and then how people are going to, like, some people are going to hang on his every word mm -hmm. um, and really take it, you know, at face value as and, and just try to follow what he's saying as much as they can. And the media spectacle and everything just all together is just a really... A bizarre scenario when I when I take a step back that's that's yeah it is and uh, the, the the issue that's not a laughing matter is that he is perpetuating dangerous stereotypes mm -hmm. uh, when he talks about uh, welfare when he talks about low-income uh, African-Americans uh, being the face as a matter of fact uh, I'm almost giving you verbatim what uh, Jeff Bennett um, he, he his tweet which I think Donna Brazil, she quoted as well. Um, but, but it reads, Kanye West's comments today about African-Americans and welfare were as objectively false as they were dangerous in perpetuating stereotypes that position low-income blacks as the face of America's welfare system. And statistically, uh, and the numbers show it, number one, uh, African-Americans being a little bit over 12, almost 13% of the population, could not be the majority of welfare recipients. And, you know, and are not, period. You know, that's, I mean, that's a fact. Uh, and to position that uh, demographic as the face, you know, as the, as, the, as the drain on the economy, you know, yeah. So that whole, you put us back 155 years mm -hmm. uh, statement, when you look at it in, in that context, no, it's not funny at all. You know, there, there's n absolutely nothing funny about it. But going back to his... Uh, to his uh, his whole they tried to bully me uh, thing on Saturday Night uh, Live I'm still I still haven't figured out what he thinks he has achieved by uh, through his allegiance to Donald Trump to his campaign and to, to this vision that is really anti everybody else right it's a very exclusive and elitist type of vision um, some might not might, might not see it that way when we think about make America great again uh, but th those are folks who haven't cracked open uh, I'm going to say they haven't cracked open a history book uh, because I'm going to go back to the movie um, Fahrenheit 11.9 mm -hmm. I think that was uh, that scholar was, was from Princeton not sure might have been 
But the point was, he said America has only been a democracy since the Voting Rights uh, Act. Right. So this idea of greatness is really aspirational. It's, uh, but it's never been played out. It's never been something that we've seen uh, working. So I don't know what America Kanye is, uh, is talking about. Part of it, I honestly have to say, um, knowing who Kanye is, his background and everything as an artist, yeah, um, I I tend to think that part of his support for Trump comes merely out of wanting to be like counterculture-ish, you know, kind of being expected to be a, a Democrat as an African American man and just going against that for the sake of of going against it. To be a rebellious artist, kind of, yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm going to bring up I'm going to bring up something. Uh Jimmy Kimmel uh he interviewed him uh on his show. And I think it was this year. But he asked a question. He asked him he says um he says are, are, would you look for the clip? Okay. So, I'll set it up and we'll, we'll listen to it. But he basically he asked him. He says, "You're the same guy who told who said in front of, you know, in front of America, you know, live television, George Bush doesn't care about black people. With a straight face, Mike Meyer standing right next to him, did not know what to do with, with that. Just totally off script, right? But that's what he put out there. George Bush does not care about black people. This is in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And Jimmy Kimmel asked him, he says, well, what, what what makes you think? Oh, we got it. I, I'm not. I'm not even going to give it all away. Uh, listen to it yourselves. Listen to it yourselves. Let's let's take a listen. What matter? I mean, you so famously and so powerfully said George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and uh, Kanye West. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain yourself. I think that's the, the shortest and the easiest um the easiest shutdown to to this whole to this whole this 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 nonsense. What has Donald Trump done, ever done, to make you feel like he is invested in the success? or well-being of black people? The answer of the Trump administration is, once again, which we talked about before, which is really a half-truth, and maybe even you could say it's false, is that they'll say that well, unemployment rates in the black community are at their lowest that they've been in, in such a long time. Uh, and we talked about how that's there's some truth to that, but it's not because of Trump's policies that have you know gone in effect over the past, what, less than two years. Mm -hmm. um, it's part of a trend that's been ongoing since the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the clock didn't just start with the election of uh, with the election of Trump, but still, look at how he has responded to uh, African American athletes. How he has responded to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, what what has his response been to uh, those who have offered critique of his policies, uh, who happen to be uh, people of color? What and all of those questions I met with, with, with negatives, you know, absolute negatives. So I will say this, though. Yeah. 
at risk of being controversial, just a prediction mm-hmm. that I do think some of the things here he's saying, and he's not the first, not the first one to say them, particularly about welfare. Um, I think oh, yeah. they are going to resonate with a lot of young uh, black men and women, and you're going to see a lot, maybe not a large number, but a noticeable number of people from the black community moving to the right. And when it comes to this issue, you think so? I really think so. Young people, the welfare issue, the the whole theory goes that welfare is this system that was designed to get uh, young black men and women addicted to this government money, and then therefore that's how the narrative goes. Mm-hmm. I think that narrative is going to gain a lot of steam in young, in the younger segment of the black community. That's you mean just like my young, prediction. You mean young professionals? Um, not just. Young professionals in particular, but people under the age of like 30, I would say. I, I disagree. Um, I've, I could see that maybe going with folks who are, uh, and that's why I mentioned the young professionals. I could see it going with folks who are at a particular income uh, range, right? Because it's a different, that's a different class. Now it's a class issue uh, that mm-hmm. they want to remove themselves from. But for just your everyday folks, uh, and I don't think it has much to do with necessarily to do with uh, poverty or, or being low income. I just think that in this case, people are going to be a little bit more, uh, they're a little, they'll be a little more savvy. A little, they're a little more, they're not going to be as gullible on that. Because I don't really see a whole lot of people coming to Kanye's defense, to be, be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his stock as, a, as, a, as an artist, as a wanna, you know, wannabe mogul, you know, designer, all these other things that he wants to do. I mean, which is all all well and good, right? Um, but as a as a voice for the culture, his his stock is is slipping. It is slipping every time he gets up to talk. Um, so I think it's a very small segment that might be moved by what he says. Not just by him saying it. But I mean, I'd say the general dissatisfaction with the DNC is is going to grow. Oh, well, now that's real. That's real. And, but, and on this issue, I think. Too. Yeah, but but I think that kind of leaves the door open for the whole, uh, and maybe it won't be the Democratic Socialist, uh, but we've got multiple, we've got really got multiple groups that are under the Democratic uh, umbrella and under the Republican umbrella. Um, and whether or not that moves the needle one way or the other for the uh, Democratic Party uh, as a whole because of the existence of uh, the Democratic Socialists uh, or the even the Libertarians who are outside, they're not, you know, a part of the, um, not the Libertarians, the, um, who am I thinking of? Like the Green Party, you know, whatever. That may move the needle a bit for the Democrats themselves, but that, did a, that, that uh, dissatisfaction, that's very real. Because pe- the more people find out uh, or are aware of what they did to to Bernie, mm-hmm. that that really I think that's that has really soured a whole lot of folks. But so you know so, so we'll see. I think they'll have to make some adjustments, but I don't see people switching lanes. You know, going to become a Republican because they're dissatisfied. At most, I see them doing what. You know um, what he said. Twenty, a uh, hundred million people did in twenty sixteen, and that's not voting. So we'll we'll see, we'll see. All right, uh, we're gonna take a short break.
short break. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam. We're on WCEV 1450 AM. You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. We're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we're streaming at WCEV1450.com. If this is your first time, right, you may not have been with us throughout the program, so if you're just now tuning in, keep up with us on social media. Uh, Like and follow our pages. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss another episode. You'll find us Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, at Radio Islam USA. All right, folks, we are in, uh, we are less than 30 days, I think, what, 25, 24 days from the election, uh, from midterm elections. And there are a number of governorships uh, that are going to be changing or potentially uh, changing hands. Uh, we've got um, uh, Congress. We have every uh, office within the state, you know, your lieutenant governors, attorney generals. Um, there's a lot at stake right now. And if you were with us in that the segment before, we were just kind of just responding to, to Kanye's rant uh, and some of his statements. And the reason... The reason that we had that discussion, I think it sets us up for a conclusion to that. Uh, And that is when you have people who are stumping, and basically that's what that whole thing was. Him going to the White House, uh, him talking about how great the Trump agenda is or Trump as an inspiration is, is really stumping for for Trump. That's that's all that is, right? So we got people that are out here right now. They're going door to door. They're trying to get people registered to vote. Um, We're we're doing videos. Matter of fact, I've been a part of a few different uh, efforts as well uh, to to try to get people to realize that this is a critical time that we're in. And if you've been listening the past couple of days, you know that we've been talking about narrative and the importance of understanding controlling your narrative, right? Controlling the stories that are being told about you, the stories that you're telling about yourself. And one of the most important things that that you or I can do is to make sure that those people who are representing us, those people who are being uh, elected to serve on behalf, on our behalf, that they know what our story is, right? They know what our narrative is. This is extremely important. So we're talking really about civic engagement. We can't leave it up to, you know, a few celebrities who get up and they they talk about how great a particular candidate is. 
uh, and think that that's going to be enough to energize folks. Because if you got somebody sitting on the wrong side, they may be energizing folks uh, that'll come out and they're looking to roll back voting rights. They're looking to uh, to, to to enforce uh, an immigration ban, a Muslim ban. They're looking to build a wall. They're looking to outsource jobs. They're looking to um, to continue to cut taxes on the wealthiest one percent of Americans, uh, and to give working class folks the table scraps. So. It's important. It's important that we are engaged. It's important that we are informed. And this leads me up to an event that has particular relevance uh, and is important in that conversation. So on October 27th, excuse me, <clears throat> on October 27th at Ashton Place in Willowbrook, Sound Vision is having a dinner. Uh, and really, it's 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 more than a dinner. It's not about the food. It is really about the information and the inspiration that you and I are going to receive by being present. Now, I'm going to give you the, the lineup. And the lineup is important because the people that are going to be speaking, these are people that are active, that are on the ground, that are in touch, that are building coalitions, um, that are reaching they're reaching across, right? They're joining hands. They're building bridges. They're not building walls. So we have Linda Sarsour. She is the that first name. Uh, many of you people, uh, many of you already know who that is, right? We're talking about uh, the uh, co-chair of the Women's March. As a matter of fact, the next Women's March has already been announced. Uh, and we realize how powerful uh, that was, how many organizations sprang up um, where women have, have been at the center of those movements uh, to, to make sure that, uh, that they are engaged and that their concerns um, are, 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 being, are being met, they're being listened to. And, and I want to just kind of divert for a minute. About six months ago, maybe a little, maybe a little longer, we had a group of, of, of women interfaith activists uh, on the show. And we talked to them, and the name of that show was, I think it was The Kin Keeper. So uh, I would definitely recommend go back and listen to that. But the reason I bring that up is I want to make sure that we understand. We talk about women being engaged uh, and being a part of a, a greater and more vocal part of the process. It is not to the exclusion of you, my brother, who may be thinking that, well, they're, they're moving in and moving me out. No, that's not it. I mentioned this this uh, episode, the Ken Keepers, because when we think about who holds our families together, who holds our communities together, we find we find women uh, in those spaces, and that being the case, it's extremely important that their voices be heard um, when we're talking about policy, when we're talking about um, crafting an agenda that is going to impact not just this generation, but future generations as well. So we know Linda Sarsour, she is, um, she is, uh, she is an activist, uh, on the ground, uh, tireless, uh, always moving. And uh, it's important to have that voice, have that uh, perspective, have that expertise uh, present. So she's gonna be, that's our first uh, keynote speaker. And we also have Amir Kauji, who is a, um, uh, video editor and producer with AJ Plus, Al Jazeera uh, Plus. 
He is uh, he is in the media. Uh, and it's important to have those voices because a free press is going to be extremely important if we're going to uh, move towards the democracy that we know we deserve uh, as Americans. And uh, so we, we are honored and we're pleased to have him join us. Uh, and also, we're going to have, you guessed it, we're going to have Imam Malik Mujahid. Uh, and he has led Sound Vision and Burma Task Force, uh, continues to lead uh, and so we're going to have him also. Uh, and the work that uh, Burma Task Force continues to do on behalf of the, uh, the Rohingya who have, uh, been, uh, who have been the victims of, uh, of, of a genocide uh, is extremely important in raising awareness, uh, getting support, and, and just being that voice, that constant voice to say that we have to do something. We have to step up. So he is going to be there. Uh, and so that that's what we have. So when you look at this lineup and you look at the climate that we're in right now, you understand why it's important to be there. So October 27th, um, October 27th at Ashton Place, uh, you can email info at soundvision.com for information. Tickets are $50. That's uh, just a, you know, not not a exorbitant price. Uh, but. We're asking you to come out with us because it's, it's up to us. Simple as that. Uh, and this is going to be one of those nights where we look for information, but we're also looking for inspiration. And you, we're going to get both of those things. So um, that, that's it. So we hope to see you. Get your ticket. Go to soundvision.com. Get your tickets. Uh, make sure you are there. You don't want to miss this. And, uh, and that's that. So at this point, we're going to sign off. Uh, we thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. Uh, and we thank you again. Thank our guest. And we thank, who else? The impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Bey. I'm your host, producer Tariq Alameen. Um, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of sound vision. So now we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.